Thanks for tuning in to McNamara on Money, a podcast about all things financial. On this show, we talk about investments and investment performance. In our practice, we give financial advice to our clients. We know their financial situation in detail before doing so. That's not the case with callers we may speak to on this show. We can't give truly meaningful financial advice because we don't know the detailed financial situation of the caller. Any suggestions we make to callers are generic in nature and meant to steer a caller in the right direction. Listeners to this podcast should consult their own financial professionals before implementing any suggestions we might make. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And welcome to McNamara on Money. My name is Justin McNamara alongside Alyssa McNamara-Reed. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Alyssa. Good morning. All right. Good morning, everyone. We are going to talk bonds today. Let's I'll give you a, a more full credit as I usually do when the outline is your idea. You're pretty good about uh, having your your finger on the pulse of, of what's going on and what and what questions <laughs> clients are asking. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to do a show called Why Do I Own Bond? That's my title. But yeah. uh, it was your idea to have this discussion. And I think it's a good one because as we have gone through 2022 and here into 2023, uh, we are certainly getting a lot of questions along those lines. Agreed? Yeah. Yeah, agreed. And that's why I wanted to talk, touch on this topic today. I like to do shows that are, well, timely, number one, but also like to talk about stuff that a lot of people would be interested in. And yeah, certainly getting a lot of questions from clients these days about bonds in general. And so pulling this from conversations I'm having with clients and prospects. And I think this is a good one. This And this has been, we probably could have talked about this for the last 10 years, but yeah. very, but more interesting now, given what happened in calendar 2022 with bonds and just an interesting discussion and proof that market cycles are pretty long or can be pretty long. And yeah. we'll talk about that today. But yeah, I think this is a good one. And what did you title the show? How, why do I, why own, do I bonds? own bonds? Oh, yeah. Is that, is that an okay title? I no, think, I, mean, I think it's great. We most- get... We get that generic question fairly frequently now, and, and it's. I think it's been it's been coming for a while, but now those numbers are really starting. They're really starting to show up on statements, right? We had interest yeah. rates fall; they were low for a long time, but because of because of the lagging nature of investment returns, what you have is oh, even if you have five lousy years in bonds or any asset class, if if you look at a ten year average and the first five years were pretty good, then your long term numbers don't look so bad. So if you're just looking and bonds now, it's been this slow decline in the yeah. longer term rates of return. And I was looking at one, let's see, this is, this is from a couple of days ago. But if I'm looking at the 10 the year return right now, this is an up to date number. We're, we're going to throw out a, probably a bunch of numbers over the course of this show. But mm-hmm. the 10 year return right now on the Bloomberg US aggregate bond index is 1.35%. Oh, wow. Wow. So, I didn't look at some of those numbers. So this will be even more interesting for me as you yeah. uh, like to get. Yeah. And that number has, has been trending down. Obviously, yeah. we had we had interest rates come down, and they were 2018, 2019, 2020. They were very low. Now, as and your average bond return started to trend down, but when 2022 yeah. hit, which was as we'll discuss, the worst bond market in at least the United States recorded history, mm-hmm. we will it, it really exacerbated those. And now you're looking and yeah. saying, "Oh my goodness, why on earth would I own this asset class?" And so I think yeah. that's the the way that we well, that's the the genesis of the discussion. 
Yeah. And for those people that don't have the entire hour to listen to this conversation, if you do own bonds, you probably still should own bonds, even though they've been crappy yeah. <laughs> in recent yeah. years. They might not be so bad going forward, but we'll talk about all that. But long story short, most people should still have bonds in their portfolio. And, we'll, and we're going to get into that and justify that throughout the course yeah. of the conversation this morning. But I just wanted to sort or, of set or at this- least. I guess at least most people who maybe already owned them, right? right? I, yeah, I don't want to paint with too broad a brush here, but yeah. chances are if you had a portfolio that you know that you went into 2022 with and it had some fixed income exposure, you probably had them in there for a reason. It was probably a good reason and it probably yeah. still holds, but that's it. We'll, we can touch on that more as the discussion goes along. Yeah. And I just wanted to, before we get into some of the details about bonds and how they've performed and what might the outlook be and all that stuff and talk about portfolios and composition and other types of investments and options and stuff like that. I just wanted to set the stage for, I don't know why we're having this conversation or I, maybe just back up a bit, right? Yeah. And just talk about, I guess I wanted to talk about investor behavior and like human nature for a moment sure. and, and investor <laughs> goals. Okay? That's a pretty I mean, big picture. I know. <laughs> Because I like to, when I have these conversations with people and I get questions and we've, and like we just talked about, we've got, I've gotten this question quite a bit lately. It, I always am like thinking, why are they asking this? And then we yeah. inevitably are talking about their goals and what they want and what their expectations are and all that stuff. So it's, I think this is a big part of the conversation. Yeah. And then I was thinking of, okay, like what, if you asked a hundred investors, what are your investment goals? 99 of them would probably say, grow my money. I want growth. I want my Mm -hmm. money to grow. I don't think more than one of them would say anything else. If you asked 100 investment professionals, what is your client's goal, investment goal, you might get like 35 different answers. Even if they're describing like the same client, typical, like the same age and situation client. So I was thinking about, I guess maybe I should say, if you ask a hundred investors what their investment goal is, maybe 90 of them would say growth. Maybe there's a few, like up to 10 that might say, I don't want to lose my money. Yeah. Right. And maybe that's their their primary goal. So it's like the combination of those two things. It would be very black and white goals. Yeah. So it would be very black and white. It would be grow my money. Don't lose my money. Investors want the best of both worlds. Of course we do. We're humans. We want the best of both worlds. We want to grow our money. We want the most growth that we can. The more growth you have of your money, the less you have to save. Maybe the, you don't have to work as long, right? If you if your portfolio grows faster, right? You can achieve your financial goals sooner, right? And nobody wants to lose money, of course, right? So of course. And But then I was thinking about, okay, what are... <laughs> What would investment professionals say are investor goals? If I was going to describe my client's investment goals, I would describe it differently than they would, right? Right. And I was trying to think of what are the things that I would say, and you can chime in here, but I, I would say growth to outpace inflation, right? Let's clarify that growth. It's not just grow my money by 5%. It might be grow my money by two or 3% more than inflation, right? So growth to outpace inflation, we would clarify that or get more specific there. I might say maximize return for a stated level of comfort with downward volatility or something like that, right? Like you're gonna say say. like, that's probably most investment professionals would say something like that. Or I might say 
maybe this conservative type investor wants to minimize the downside, right? Or minimize volatility and stuff like that. We could come up with a whole bunch of different ways to describe an investor's goal. Yep. But it doesn't, when you think about investment professionals, you and I know that a, a large part of our job, especially during difficult markets is like it is controlling investor behavior and controlling emotions and i you and i had to put myself in the investor's shoes and think about what do they want i know what i think is appropriate for them but yeah. what do they want and and i think that's that sort of leads into this conversation about about why am i owning bonds they they were so terrible last year and they didn't return yeah. anything for a decade because investors want they want to grow their money. Bonds didn't really do that a whole lot the last more than decade, right? Like almost yeah. 15 years. And they don't want to lose money. And bonds are supposed to be that type of investment where you like really don't lose much on the downside. But last year, I'm sure we'll get into this. Last year, the aggregate bond index was down like 13%, yeah. which wasn't a whole lot less than how much stock indexes were down by. So I can understand why people are asking this question. And I just, and I, that, and another reason I think this conversation is really important because I totally get why people are asking the question. Let's get into some of the details and some of the history of bonds and then talk about why well, you probably should still own them. <laughs> Again, like you said, if you already own them as part of your portfolio, like leading into last year, and we'll talk about all the reasons. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I definitely I, so I agree with all that stuff. I also wanted to be and I think part of this discussion and part of any discussion about what's happening with a particular asset class or what it's all very current. Right. If we didn't hear why do I own bonds like in 2008. Right. That, that was yeah. not a, granted. But bonds didn't do all that. They didn't do all that well. Right depending on what kind of bond you own during the credit crisis. But we as professionals need to just because something is familiar to us, right? We have to understand that for a lot of folks, as events get further and further into the past, they get forgotten, right? Everyone, yeah. if you said, oh, well, how were you feeling during 2007, even most of our investors were invested at that time. I don't think the answers that they would give you were, would necessarily reflect how, how they were actually Correct. feeling because with as time passes, people just forget that stuff. And a lot of that is based on the fact that I, I think now it's bonds allows you why I own them, but we, we haven't heard that much before. We, we haven't heard that a lot before, That's A, true. because they had better investment returns, which is fair, but it's also the fact that we, as market downturns, at least significant market downturns, get further and further into the past, the, the assets that sort of help you deal with those, I think, get less and less valuable in the eye of a client. Hold that thought, Justin. We'll be right back with more on today's topic, bonds. When it comes to securing your financial future, trust matters. That's why McNamara Financial, a family-owned company, is here for you. As a family-owned company, we understand the importance of your financial well-being. That's why our team of expert financial advisors is committed to your success. At McNamara Financial, we take your trust seriously. That's why all our financial advisors are fiduciaries and certified financial planners, putting your best interests first. With our team of dedicated professionals, you can rest assured that you're receiving top-notch expertise tailored to your unique goals. Don't leave your financial future to chance. Trust McNamara Financial, where family values meet financial expertise. Visit our website or call us to schedule a consultation today. McNamara Financial, securing your financial future, one step at a time. And we're back with more on today's topic, bonds. I'm okay with that. I feel like investors 
would pull from their experiences in the last 10 years, maybe. Yeah. Maybe not much more than that. So that's a fair point. So now the Great Recession was more than 10 years ago. So that sting is mostly people aren't really feeling that sting quite as much anymore. But in the last 10 years, like you just mentioned that the 10-year return of the aggregate bond index is what, 1.75%? Is that what you said? I think I said it was lower, 1.35. Oh, sorry. One yeah, that's, point... going back, that's going back a few days, I think. But yeah, so that's okay, fairly close. That's a 10-year yeah. average return. Yeah. <laughs> and the 10-year average return on the S&P 500, the US stock market is probably 10%. Yep, 12. Per year, even yep. though, okay, 12%, which is maybe a little, even a little higher than its long-term average. Yep. And But then think about what though, but in the very recent history, what did we see? We saw last year, the S&P was down for the calendar year, like I want to say 18% and bonds were down 13%. It's like not all that different right? in that one year, but the 10 year average return of those is more, there's more than a 10% difference. So that's, so again, I understand why people are asking this question. So I guess let's get into what determines return of a bond investment. And so we've had this interest rate and so the interest rate environment is largely governing the return of bond investments right so when we have interest rate environments where interest rates fall over a long period of time bonds do very well and when we have periods of time where interest rates rise bonds do poorly in terms of their market values So last year, so like coming out of the Great Recession, right, we had interest rates fall and then they were super low. They were just really low for a period of time. And then they rose very rapidly last year, hence the worst year on record for bonds in the United States, right? Yep. And that's what's in the recent past for people was like a 10-year period of time where yield on bond, the yield on bonds somewhat follows the interest rate environment, right? So when when interest rates are really low, yield or like the interest component of bonds really low for a decade or more, and then a spike in interest rates led to the market value falling rapidly, right? So that's like what's happened the last 10 or 15 years. But it's these are interesting conversations I'm having. I'm like, yes, Mr. and Mrs. Klein, I know that they've what they've done the last 10 or 15 years. But now that we're in, where are we? We know what happened in hindsight, but let's think about what could happen moving forward with the interest rate environment. Yeah, well, right, let, so. let me just let me just expand on that just a bit. I, yeah. I also there's a bit of a if you understand what a bond is, which is just a it's like a fixed contract, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a you lend your money to somebody, they pay you a fixed interest rate, and as long as whoever issued that bond is around and able to pay those payments at at the end, you're going to get whatever your you're going to get whatever your return was, right? So it's a very simple vehicle, and it's seen yeah. when you talk to you when you have your advisor, or your education with your advisor, they might explain what a bond is, and they say, oh, it's like a they might, and I'm guilty of this. I'm sure it's like a CD if, yeah. if the client is not all that familiar with it. So you get your fixed interest payment. And it sounds very guaranteed, but the issue is that when you do get volatility, it doesn't seem to compute with your your understanding of the vehicle, right? Oh, I thought I had a, I thought my bond was like a CD. Yes, it is, but it's also priced on a daily basis and mm-hmm. it's priced relative to everything else that's available out there in the market. So it's, so it does, it is a little startling when you get bond volatility because it's really not something, of course, no one cares when interest rates 
rates are falling and their 5% coupon bond somehow magically yields them, gives them a 10% return because mm-hmm. they, they, their bond appreciated along with being paid that interest rate. But when it starts to go the other way, it yeah. does, uh, it, it does, it, I guess it, it catches the eye. Yeah. 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 Thank you for clarifying that. And if we think about what, so if we know that interest rate movement is going to control largely the performance of bonds moving forward, yep. we're pretty sure that interest rates will probably hold where they are and not go higher or hopefully not go much higher from here, right? So we're pretty sure the Fed is- Yeah, well, that's done. an unknown. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, we're, I wouldn't be too sure about that. That's an unknown. The We're Fed does hoping. try to control interest rates, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but they don't have just just like the way they don't. They're not mortgage rates and interest rates are obviously linked, but yeah. it's not a it's not a one to one ratio, right? Mortgage rates are up are up pretty substantially higher than say the the ten year U.S. Treasury or the thirty year Treasury. Yeah. But so the answer is yes, on the assumption that you'll get a normalization of interest rates, at least within kind of a, a given range where you're outside of a you're outside of an environment where you have a, a, a march upward in interest rates over a long period of time or downward. If you're mm-hmm. in a range, if you're in a reasonable range, then you can make a pretty good estimation of what your bonds will return in that scenario. Yeah. Is that what you're is that what you're getting at? Yeah, I, I was trying to explain that it sounds so salesy, but it's even though they haven't been so great, I'm pretty sure they'll be pretty good going forward. It, but there's a lot of, but it, it's important, obviously, to clarify that. And there, there is data there to justify and support yeah. that statement that bonds have not performed very well in the last decade or so. Certainly not last year and not on average for like about a decade. Yep. Going forward from here, they are likely poised to be stronger uh, performers than they have in the last 10 years. Right. And I, and I would guess there that's is, three to yeah, five. To, just to, to simplify that, there's a very, yeah, there's a, a fairly strong link between your current interest rate and your rate of re- and the rate of return that you'll see on your bonds over like over a five year ten period. It's not like if interest rates are five percent right now, it doesn't mean that you're unless you buy a single bond and hold that single bond. Most of us are accessing bonds through bond funds, which are buying hundreds and even thousands of bonds, and they're turning them over, and they don't they have different maturities, different, and they mm-hmm. they're rolling them over. But if there is a fairly strong link, if if you buy, if you're in, investing in a ten year treasury fund, if you if rates are four percent now, there's a you're, you're pretty there's a pretty good chance that you'll be somewhere around a four percent return for the next decade. But again, that will be adjusted somewhat by the underlying the conditions that play out over that period. Did you pull any information about the last time we had an interest rate environment similar to this? I can just think off the top of my head. Obviously, we had really high interest rates, high, way higher than this, like in the 80s yep. and into the early 90s, right? And then from the early 90s to the late 2000s, we had interest rates steadily declining for yep. that 20-ish year period of time, right? And so bond investments in the 90s, and into the 2000s, I recall did very well. I can remember meeting people that had owned bonds in the early 2000s. It was like the late 90s and the early 2000s when bonds did really well. Yeah. And I was trying to think of periods of time when people, I was trying to think about like over the years, how many times have I heard people request bond investments like in their portfolio or or express confidence in them or desire to own them. And that's, I could only think of a few examples of like people I met that had like large bond 
positions like in the early 2000s and late 90s where interest rates had fallen from a very high and they had done very well. 10% annual returns over periods of time. And that's just a result of the interest rate environment coming down through those years. Yeah, the, t- the ten-year Treasury was in the early '90s, and I'm just going. We'll we're going to throw out some benchmarks for the bond market, right? This is just because I can get the data on the interest rate on mm-hmm. Treasuries. So the ten-year Treasury, the interest rate, right about in 1990 was eight percent, and it trended up to nine-ish in the early '90s, mm-hmm. and then over the course of the two the '90s and 2000s, by the end of by the end of 2009, it was below four percent, right? So that was a yeah. big tailwind for bond returns, right? Because you were collecting those coupons. Bonds and you were getting appreciation because every year that the rate fell more, mm-hmm. the bonds that you owned were more valuable, oh, and so you got that sort of tailwind. Yeah, but yeah, and it was a, and it was actually a, it, they were a return vehicle. I know, obviously, we were yeah. that we were, for at least for half of that period, we were in the business, and you would you would there would be bond funds that were showing returns of eight ten percent per year, yeah. which was which is definitely. Well above the long term average, as we'll see here. Yeah. Uh, How much time do we have? I wanted to talk about like portfolios and what comprises return. How much time do we have left before the break? I have uh, just under three minutes. Okay. I guess we could introduce the subject and let's talk about, I guess, at a high level, like what determines return of a portfolio. And I guess we would just define portfolio as a diversified bunch of investments, right? We can have aggressive portfolios, which are like mostly or or all stock investments. We could have conservative portfolios, which are mostly bond and cash-like investments. And, and we can have balanced or moderate portfolios, which are like a combination. So the portfolio is just like you own a bunch of stuff. When we talk about, let's talk about a moderate risk portfolio. So that means to us, you own stock type investments and you own bond type investments. So I guess let's talk about why, right? People, we talked about the two investor goals, right? In very simplistic terms, people want to grow their money and or, but generally both, they don't want to lose their money. So stock investments, I mean, we could do a whole nother show or two or three on just this topic, but, <laughs> but probably have. Yeah, yeah. stock investments, you and I know are the, that's like the growth components of a portfolio. So long-term returns yeah. of stock have outpaced cash, have outpaced bonds, have outpaced gold, what other... So th- yeah. that's long-term returns, but they can be what we call volatile. So they can be scary on the downside because we can have years where even a diversified stock mutual fund can be down 20, 30, 40, 50%, right? And maybe not a whole lot more than that for a diversified stock mutual fund. Certainly individual stocks can be down more than that. They can be down 100%. You lose all yeah. your money. Yeah. But long-term returns, 8, 10, 12, whatever, 15-year returns, like you just mentioned, the 10-year return on the S&P 500 is 12%, even though it was, it was down last year almost 20%. Yeah. And you know so- what? I think we're, yeah, we're about, about up against a break here. Oh, okay. So why don't, we, why don't we start fresh with that? Yeah. My name is Justin McNamara. Alongside Alyssa McNamara-Reed, you are listening to McNamara on Money. If you have questions, you can shoot us an email, questions at McNamara onmoney.com. And again, questions at McNamaraonmoney.com if you have a question. And we will be right back. You can find McNamara on Money on all the major podcasting platforms. New episodes drop every Monday. Tune in weekly for everything you need to know about making smart financial decisions. Subscribe today so you don't miss a single episode.